0: Spotlight Connecticut with Morgan Cunningham, embracing what's fun with Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080. I love this song. I just get into a groove with it every single time I hear it. Ray Charles, America the Beautiful, as we get ready for the 4th of July, 2023, with a big celebration in eastern Connecticut. It happens every single year, the Boombox Parade, which is done by a local radio station, a small community radio station that serves Willamette, Connecticut. Now for 38 years, this is the 38th year, they've been doing the boombox parade in which they play marching music, and there's a parade that goes on. And this is no small parade. I remember the very first time I went there, I figured that nobody would be there. (laughs) and I didn't think that it would be a big shebang. Uh, The first year I was there, it was a two-hour parade. Two-hour parade. Um, and, and it brings out so many people. I think everybody and their mother from Wyndham and New London counties and Toland County as well, and people from even further away who might be in town just visiting for the holiday, they go out to this. In the first year I was part of it, 2011, I had a friend at Eastern Connecticut State University. She works there, and she said to me, Morgan, you really ought to come check out the boombox parade. I went over to her house. We then walked down toward the boombox parade because I'm told that there's no parking, at least no easy parking, I should say, that you'd be walking no matter what. And uh, it was, I think, I don't know, five blocks away. So we walked over to the boombox parade, and there we were at Gilson Square where Formation was. And there had to have been maybe 3,000 people. I mean, it was packed like sardines. You couldn't get any further away from anybody if you tried when you were there in Gilson Square lining up, and I ended up tossing candy. Note I said tossing candy, because now you can't toss it, you have to hand it out, but in those days, back in my day, you were allowed to toss the candy, so I did that, and it was a ton of fun. Um, I just have so many fond memories of my very first boombox parade, and this week on Spotlight Connecticut, we bring on the Grand Marshal, Wayne Norman, to tell us all about the magic.
1: This is WTIC in Hartford.
0: Hi, I'm Eric from Glastonbury, and I'm listening to Spotlight Connecticut with Morgan Cunningham. I've got to tell you, Wayne, it is amazing to have you on Spotlight Connecticut because I grew up listening to you. I remember when I was in college, I used to go down to WILI and visit you regularly. And now you're on Spotlight Connecticut with me on WTIC. Welcome, Wayne.
1: Well, It's also really good to be uh, on TIC, a station that I broadcast, UConn basketball and football, for 26 years. I have a real affinity for that place, and I appreciate TIC's ability. Let me talk about a very special and unique event here in Romantic Willamantic.
0: The very first time I remember going to the Boombox Parade, I remember it well. The year was 2011. And it feels like a lifetime ago, but anything before COVID feels like a lifetime ago, as you probably know, Wayne. Um, but I went to it the first time, and the first thing that amazed me was how many people were there. Because Main Street, Willamantic, I don't know the exact distance. It's about a mile, I would imagine. Um, maybe you know the specifics of that. But it was full of people. The side streets were full of people. The floats and the people who were marching, you don't have to have a float or a car. You could just be on your on your feet. They filled every inch that there could have been of Main Street, and the parade just kept going on and on. And the side streets, like I said, they were full. So for nearly 40 years, this has been an institution in Eastern Connecticut.
1: Yeah, this is the 38th year we've done it, and I never know what to expect. One of the things that we do or don't do is we do not require any advance or pre registration You want to come, you just show up. Now, I find out in advance sometimes. People tell me they're coming, but there's no requirement for that. So you find out when you see it on Main Street. And you talk about the parade length. Well, that's about two-thirds of a mile. It goes from Jilson Square, which is located at the corner of Main Street and Jackson Street in Willimantic, right by the big parcel where the Shabu Stage is now. A lot of people know about that. And it goes two-thirds of a mile past town hall and it goes down to memorial park it's a fairly short parade route which is two reasons for that one is it's a radio parade the whole concept for this thing began and we can talk about how it began Uh but the whole concept began with people bringing their radios to the parade and then they tune it to our radio station wili which is located at 1400 a.m and 95.3 on the fm pile and then we play the marching band music The people on the street, both spectators and also marchers or riders in the parade, they turn it on, and then that becomes the soundtrack for the parade. That replaces the music played by marching bands. And the other thing about the relatively short parade route, I think the shorter thing, number one, concentrates the music into a smaller area, and number two, I think it makes it easy for anyone – Wants to march in the parade to show up and do it. Two thirds of a mile is very doable, and plus, unless you've got some complicated way to do it, how you get your car to the end of the parade and then get back to the beginning of the parade. This allows you to do your two thirds of a mile and then walk back to wherever your vehicle is, or walk home, whatever the case is. So it, it's been it's been a very uh, fortuitous length for that parade, and, and that's one reason why I think people feel they can come out and march. And I find. Not just because I'm the grand marshal and I lead the parade and I walk it most years. Some years I ride and whatever shit I got going on. But I think that people realize the fact that it's easy to do and it's more fun to walk in the parade or be a part of the parade than it is to be on the sidewalks watching the parade. People often ask me also whether there's a theme for the parade. We don't set themes. Usually the events of the day, that can be local, that can be state, that can be national. Uh, people tend to come up with things that are somewhat thematic on that. I remember in 91, the big overriding theme, and again, we didn't set this up. That's when Lowell Weicker gave Connecticut income tax. Oh, yeah. There was a lot of nasty comments on people's floats, cars, things like that. So uh, term political? it political? Granted now. It can, it, it, from, from time to time, it does get political. Both sides of the aisle. So people say what they want to say. Some people just have fun. Some people promote their businesses. You've got the the local Little League teams and the Boy Scouts and the Girl Scouts walking, and, you know, people do what they want to do, and hopefully they're bringing a radio because, as we like to say, Morgan, the parade doesn't work if you don't bring a radio. There are
0: still people that are bringing boombox radios because that's one of the questions that I have gotten as somebody that's gone to the boombox parade, somebody who has witnessed it. People say to me, well, nobody uses boom boxes anymore, but I can tell you, Wayne, I see them out there. You must too.
1: I do. I do. And I got them. Uh, I've got several. I don't usually carry more than one, depending on what my shtick is, uh, what I'm doing to lead the parade. Sometimes I'm not able to do that. But uh, the other thing is that we're not going to change the name now because boom boxes are harder to find, not impossible. And with the, with the internet, you can buy them anyplace. But but what are you going to call it you're going to call it the uh you know the iPod parade
0: you mentioned that you have a different stick every single year could you talk about that a little bit because i know some years you have even gone on stilts in the parade you dress up as something different so talk about some of these different costumes and personas that you have and i know you probably can't tell us what you're going to be this year but any hints
1: uh well think of something This is timely that took place about two months ago. You can connect the dots on that. That's as far as I'm going on that. Okay. No, I've never done, but Morgan, I've never done stilts in the parade, but.
0: I thought you did one year. I thought that I remember you looked really, really uh, tall. uh, No?
1: uh, (laughs) Well, no. But this is a story that I've never told on the radio before. So you got to scoop on this. Okay. This would have been 2008. And uh, my girlfriend's daughter was getting married uh, the week before the parade. And I had made an effort to find out about stilts. That would be from a guy in Woodstock named Leslie Sweetnam, who has marched in the parade, dressed as Uncle Sam on stilts, and from a guy who's on Yawkey Way at Fenway Park. When you go down Yawkey Way before the game, they call it his name, he calls himself Big League Brian. He's wearing a Red Sox uniform, and he's on these stilts. And I've talked to him about it, too. He told me, ironically, that the higher stilts, are easier to walk on the lower stilts. That makes no sense to me. But I had seriously considered it. And the girlfriend wanted me to be healthy, walkable, not in traction, when we were at her daughter's wedding. And she basically said, you can't do this this year. If you want to do it, do it later on. Because the wedding was a week before the 4th of July. But trust me, if I'm going to walk down Main Street on stilts, there's a learning curve. i got to practice this. And she knew full well that there's always that possibility. I might wind up in traction.
0: How could it be that the taller ones are easier? I don't understand that. I don't
1: know. That's what my stilt masters tell me. I can't explain it. So So you've got to uh, do this, Wayne. Well, and the other thing is that that in the last couple of years, I've got a knee that's become kind of problematic, kind of bulky. And I'm not sure now it's a smart thing for me at my advanced age to be up there on that because I'm not as agile as I was in part because I got a bad right knee. Now, in 1998, I was on rollerblades. There was a learning curve for that. And that actually was one of the favorite sticks that I've done. I got four or five on my list, but that was one of the best things I've done.
0: Tell me about it, Wayne. I had,
1: I had red, white, and blue stuff on and all that, but I had rollerblades, and I'd never been on rollerblades before. I got them from NASA's this sporty good store across the street, which isn't in business anymore. They gave them to me, and I remember practicing on them both at the store. I'd be on the rollerblade going up and down the aisles of the store on the carpet, and then I'd go to a parking lot like, the Eastern Connecticut State University uh, baseball stadium and i work over there. And the more I practiced on them the week or two before the parade, I got chin splints. I had to lay off them for a while. Oh no. I never, I never even became proficient at rollerblading, but I was able to get myself up and down main street up main street for the parade. But that wasn't all I had a red, white and blue. It's like a bungee cord kind of, but it was a, a long strap, and I was towing a the world's largest boombox, which looked suspiciously like a bus, because you see, it was a bus with <laughs> a bus driver and that stuff. And we had a we had a big speaker on top blasting out the music, and we had George Washington. It was a guy in a George Washington mask. He was sticking his head out one of the windows and stuff like that. Uh, but the, the point was that I was on rollerblades towing the world's largest boombox, oh, and on the side of the bus, in sort of a cardboard display, we had a big radio dial, and you had all the frequencies on the AM dial, and right there at 1400, that's where the marker was. And the radio dial also at the end had big round things; those were the speakers. So it looked like a boombox, but it was a bus.
0: Wayne, changing gears a little bit, tell us how the Boombox Parade pays tribute to R. Bob Steele from WTIC News Talk 1080, who was on air with us from 1936 to 2002. Quite a long run, and you guys have a nod to him in the Boombox Parade.
1: You know, he used to have a song, a marching band song, that he would play on his morning show at TIC. It was called Second Connecticut Regiment March yes a couple of years into the parade somebody said hey you know maybe a little honor for uh Bob Steele you should include that in the soundtrack I mean really Morgan the soundtrack is pretty much the same every year we've got the best marching band songs played by some of the best marching bands in the world what are you going to change so a couple of years into it, we added the Yukon fight song done by the Yukon band that works and and now if you know what you're listening to. You've got that marching band song that Bob Steele used to play, and that's a little shout-out to the longtime morning man on WCIC. So that's pretty cool. And here's another story about the soundtrack that's pretty cool. There's one sequence in the soundtrack. We have the Army, Navy, Air Force, Marine songs all kind of coming back-to-back. Back. You know, it halls the Montezuma and the caissons go rolling on and anchors away and that kind of stuff. So about five or six years got also into the parade, after the parade was over, I got a call from a guy. He says, Hey, you got the Army, Navy, Air Force, Marine songs. We got the Coast Guard Academy right here in Connecticut. Why don't you use the Coast Guard theme? To which I said, The Coast Guard has a theme? He says, Yeah. He sent it to me. It was on cassette tape. I still have the cassette tape. And the song is called Seper Paratus, Always Prepared. And we've added that to the soundtrack, which most people just hear that maybe as a marching band song, but anybody with a Coast Guard affiliation, from the New London area, hopefully they recognize the song and realize that's a tribute to the military branches located right here in Connecticut. So, you know, the soundtrack has Washington Post March and Stars and Stripes Forever. That's actually on there a couple of times. It's got a couple of uh, marching band songs from other countries, including Les Marciers from France. Uh, we try to you know mix it up a little bit. And the, the soundtrack is actually 65 minutes long and many of our parades go longer than 65 minutes. Well, that's when you go back to the beginning and play it part two. All the same stuff plays again 65 minutes later. (laughs) It's the best marching band music on the planet. Simple as that.
0: Wayne, I've got to ask you, and this is a Radio Insider dorky question, so our audience on WTIC is going to have to forgive us, but we'll give you a little inside baseball, so to speak. I'm talking with the Boombox Parade, Grand Marshal Wayne Norman, who is the morning host at WILI and Willimanic, a little community radio station that has been a powerhouse there for a very long time. Wayne, I have to know where did you get the recording copy of Connecticut Second Regiment March, the song Bomb Steel used to close with? Because, and I ask you this, because on Memorial Day, the talk show I did on Spotlight Connecticut, I played Connecticut Second Regiment March. Um, as our closing song. And there's a long story as to why I did that, but I did play it on WTIC, and uh, I had a hard time tracking down a copy of it. I did, and it came from an unlikely place. I'm curious, where did yours come from?
1: Well, Morgan, this is 30 years ago. I don't remember all the ins and outs of it, but I would be willing to bet that when someone suggested that, I I know the people at TIC, I worked there for 26 years, I probably made a phone call and they gave it to me, but I can tell you that the version that I got, that we got, which I still have, is on a reel-to-reel tape. And for you inside radio people, it's about a five inch reel. You know, Back then we had all that analog stuff. We had reel-to-reel and cart machines and things like that. So we just stuck it in the soundtrack. Now it's all done digitally.
0: I would love to compare my copy to yours. My story is, I went looking for this, right? And obviously this is quite some time after Bob has left us and since he stopped his full-time morning show at WTIC. And I found a reel-to-reel tape in our archives at the station with his theme songs, the opening and the closing. And it was defective, the tape. It sounded good, but there was a second uh, or two near the middle of the song that was totally not usable and it ruined basically the whole song because you have this gap in the center of it and i said well what is a boy to do there's no other way i could track this down i tried i couldn't find another recording of it or anybody who knew where maybe the master recording was or who with the state of connecticut would have it i couldn't find it to save my life and one day i was talking with bill pierce one of our former news reporters and anchors And he was telling me about how when Bob Steele announced his retirement from full-time, he went in the production studio and he ran a copy of everything that Bob used, all the music, all the jingles. And I said, Bill, is there any way I could please borrow that tape? Because I want to know if Connecticut 2nd Regiment March is on there. He said, oh, it is. And I said, oh, my God. So he gets me the tape, and this is probably 30 years after he's recorded it, maybe longer. And I gotta tell you,
1: it is perfect quality. Well, Bill Pierce used to be uh, one of our engineers who ran the studio when we were doing UConn basketball and probably UConn football back in the,
0: two. As we slide into the break, we've got more with Wayne Norman on the way, but if we're gonna talk about Connecticut 2nd Regiment, we might as well play it, right? We did play it on Memorial Day, but if you missed it, well, here's your chance to hear it again. Spotlight Connecticut
1: with Morgan Cunningham.
0: You know, obviously a novelty intended for what is really just a fun day in eastern Connecticut in Willimantic. The annual boombox parade on the 4th of July. Yet another running this year, 2023. And uh, the lyrics in that song, if you listen there, it talks about Kathy and 1986 and a cassette tape and a boombox marching band. Well, Wayne Norman's going to explain all of that. That's the backstory behind the boombox parade on the way on WTIC. This is
1: WTIC in Hartford. Hi, I'm Carol Chappelle from Ellington. I listen to Morgan Cunningham on the radio, WTIC.
0: Getting back on track, and welcome back to the program, Wayne Norman from 14WILI, the Grand Marshal of the Boombox Parade every year in Willimantic. Could you tell us, Wayne, how 38 years ago this whole thing got
1: started? In 1986, we'd lost our local high school marching band. I believe they just cut it out, you know, austerity, whatever the case is. And they didn't have a marching band for the Memorial Day parade in Willimatic. So this woman, who's a big-time Fife and drum Corps later, her name is Kathy Clark, she came to us about three days before Memorial Day. She says, hey, we got an idea. We need, we need music for the parade. What if you guys played the marching band music and people brought radios? Well, it's a nice idea, except we said, wait a minute. We got three days to explain this concept and turn it around. That's never going to work. So we said no, and we figured she'd go away and never come back. Well, she did come back a week after Memorial Day. She said, all right, you want more lead time? Let's plan on this now. We had massive organizational meetings. And on top of that, a woman from the Associated Press got wind of it, and she actually sat in on our meetings. She did a large advance story that ran not just nationally but worldwide on this unique concept of a parade. And then she covered the parade. She ran a story on it, which also ran in newspapers around the country. i got a couple of them myself. I mean, talking California, Florida. And I have a copy of my office. There's a version transcribed onto our website from Prince Liebre, which I believe means free press in Guatemala. And they translated her story, which quotes me in Espanol.
0: So I love this thing,
1: that. This thing got worldwide coverage that first year. So we had all these things, and now we plan it. We explain the concept. Newspapers did stories on it. The New York Times, the Wall Street Journal did stories on it. And I go to the formation area, which then was Memorial Park, which is now the termination spot, at 9 o'clock in the morning for the 11 o'clock parade. And there was nobody there. I, by the way, I get credit for creating this parade. I didn't create the parade. Kathy Clark had the idea. She's the one that promoted it. I didn't buy into the concept. I'll take credit for it now, but no, this is all Kathy's. I go at nine, there's nobody there, and my thought was, wasn't this a good idea? Oh, well, no. at 11 o'clock, people did show up, and that parade from the time it stepped off at Memorial Park to the time it got to Jolson Square was 44 minutes long. And I said, we got something here. And each year it got longer and longer. We've had them as long as a minute, an hour and 57 minutes. So this thing has been big. We've had people come from all over the world. I don't think they're buying an airplane ticket from Italy to come here, but we've had people from Italy who've been in town, heard about the parade, they come watch and they go, wow, this is pretty cool. So that's how it began. And really, let's say that we got lazy and didn't want to have a parade in 2023. I think there'd be an uprising in this town. People would say, all right, well, we're going to do it anyway. But no, we're happy to be a part of it. It's it's actually you know a, a unique thing. We call it The biggest parade of its kind in the world, and we call it Connecticut's Unique People's Parade. People come out and do whatever they want. They can, you know, promote their causes. They can dress up whatever they want. And after two or three years of just doing simple stuff, I started doing unusual stuff. I remember the first year I did something goofy was about, I don't know, 1991 or so, where I had some red, white, and blue stuff and all that. But I read – I rode – in the fire department's cherry picker truck, 10 feet above Main Street. Whoa. All the way down. And I had people who were saying, wait a minute, the Grand Marshal is supposed to march. I said, who made that rule? This is the boombox parade. We got no rules. You do what you want. That was, and so ever since then, I've done some kind of unusual things. I talked about the uh, roller skater pulling the the boombox, which was a bus, you know, that was pretty cool. And, uh, you know, we'll do something this year that will pay tribute to something that occurred, oh, a couple of months ago. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Gee, wonder what that could be. Something I was very much involved in, sitting (laughs) in the first row. Yeah, I think
0: uh, think you were pretty involved in this. And it happened somewhere down south.
1: Uh, Yeah, Texas, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Wonder what it could be. People could extrapolate that. We get a lot of politicians at these parades. Um, you know, especially during campaign years. The governor has come most years. I don't think he's coming this year. He's got something else going on. Here's a great story. Richard Blumenthal
0: I bet he's been there. He loves a parade.
1: He does, and he he has said it. I got it on tape and I play it about ten fifty nine before the parade steps off. He calls it the best parade in the state of Connecticut. So yeah. after the Yukon after the Yukon Victory Parade, that's the one when he had the fractured femur and that stuff, I see him in the XL center lobby where they had a, a, a donor and media veil for the players and coaches and stuff. And I waited until he got done talking to these guys and I said to him, I said, So does that make this, the Yukon Victory Parade, the second best parade in Connecticut? He knows me. He knew what I meant. He laughed. We moved on. So, you know, and and I guess in some people's minds, the boombox parade's the best parade in Connecticut, and UConn's men won a national championship. That's the second best parade. I imagine some people might put them in the reverse order, but that's all right. We like our parade.
0: Did anybody ever show up that took you by surprise?
1: Well, you just scooped me on that one. So I guess the simple answer is is no, Morgan, because nothing surprises me. People do really unusual things, and over the last... Some people really went all out, there was a Haggerty family in town here, they would have these units that went a couple of blocks long. That would include a 1932 fire engine they had in it, but they would do thematic things. I remember one year they had an Elvis Presley team, and they had a whole family. They had like 100 members of their family involved in this. And then I'll, I'm going to say 10, 15 years ago, Willamette Brewing Company, Main Street Cafe, one of the best brew pubs in the state, uh, they started making these really elaborate floats. I mean, we don't get Rose Parade kind of stuff or Macy's Parade kind of stuff in our parade. People just decorate their car or maybe they'll stick a you know Willimantic Little League banner and march in front of the kids and things like that. But I think a lot of people really look forward, including me, to seeing what Willie Brew is going to do. And they find some theme and they go over the top with it and they have their waitresses and other employees giving out drinks. By the way, that would be non-alcoholic drinks like lemonade, things like that, on the parade route. Yeah. And they usually bring up the rear. Now, uh, full disclosure here, we, had to, we, we try to have a parade with no rules, but we had to create – we don't call them rules, Morgan. We call them safety guidelines to avoid the R word, their rules. Yep, we what are they? Choose, we had some issues with people who were – Bringing the super soakers, which you know some parades have, and they were just shooting people willy-nilly. Either people on the streets shooting the floats, or people on the floats or in the marching units shooting people on the on the sidewalk. Well, the problem with that, number one, you're asking people to bring radios, and then the radios get wet. People aren't going to want to bring their radios anymore. That's kind of productive. The other thing is there are some people, including some older people who don't wanna get wet. I know it's July, some days are hot, but there are some times when people don't wanna get wet or collateral damage. So we said, please, no spraying of water. And the people have really cooperated. That that has really worked well. And then we say no throwing of candy. Parades everywhere give out candy during the parades. But the problem is, and I've seen this a 100 times, People are going down the center lane, the center divider on Main Street, and they throw candy that gets halfway to the curb. You got a kid sitting on the curb. He's not looking both ways before he sprints out. He wants that Tootsie Roll pop, and he wants it now. Well, this parade does have some riffraff going down near the curb. You got vendors. You got other people that are walking, bicycles, people like that. So uh, what we say is that if you want to pass out candy, you can have someone with you who hands out the candy. They go over to the sidewalk. I had one woman tell me,
0: "Yeah, I've seen that.
1: Said, that that actually was better." She said, "My kid thought that he was special because the person came over, and gave him the candy. He didn't have to go running for it." But it's more of a safety thing. And then we've had issues with people with uh, like stock cars and things like that revving their engines and putting up some acrid smoke. Some people got sick one year because of that. We've had to put a kibosh on people revving engines on cars that are on floats and also people doing reckless behavior. We had a group one year of guys on like uh, ATVs and they're doing wheelies down the street. We don't want this parade to make the national headlines on July the 5th for the wrong reason, like a guy flipped over in his ATV and put his skull open on Main Street. So all four of those things have worked out, I think, pretty well. Now, that being said, I'll be full disclosure here, that we probably had our longest parade in 2011. That was my first year. That was close to two hours. And then 2012, we began those safety guidelines. And since that time, the parades have gotten shorter. The crowds have gotten a little smaller as well. I think there's a portion of the people who want to shoot water and they want to do those other things, so they go to other parades. But it had another benefit to what we do. Remember, this parade is on July 4th, and there's been some pretty hot days on July the 4th. It's 11 o'clock in the morning. It can be pretty toasty out there. Two hours can be a little bit long to be sitting in the sun on that hot a day. A shorter parade is not a bad thing. Later, they've been going somewhere between an hour and 15, an hour and a half. That's a lot better than two hours. So that's that's a good thing as well.
0: I'd say. Wayne Norman, our guest on Spotlight Connecticut, Grand Marshall of the Boombox Parade in Willamandic. I think we are running out of time here, Wayne, but one of the last things I have to ask you first, could you run down all the information people need to know if they want to take part in it? Because you can without pre-registration. How do they find out about uh, you know getting there and getting started and forming in the line for the parade? Tell everybody the details about that, or if people would rather just sit on the side and watch.
1: Very good question. Good way to wrap things up. Number one, the formation area is at Gilson Square, the corner of Jackson and Main Street in Willimantic. There's no parking at Jolson Square, but that's where the people do their lining up. It's right by the new uh, Wyndham Community Center and so forth, and the parade steps off. If again, you can people begin to form there around nine. Some are getting there, decorating their stuff like at eight thirty or so. And I know people that have gotten there at eleven thirty because there's still people leaving that departure site after the parade begins at eleven o'clock. As far as watching, as far as being a spectator, well, here's a little tip for you: that Main Street goes east-west, and there are buildings, of course, on Main Street. I find if I were going to be a spectator, which I'm not, I would sit on the south side of the street, which basically is the shady side because of the buildings. And also, if you're on the north side of the street, then you're looking south into the glare of the sun, if that's what you have. But people bring folding chairs, lawn chairs. I see people lining up there on the street as early as 9 o'clock in the morning. You get a pretty big crowd sitting on the town hall lawn, which used to have two gigantic maple trees on it. One of them came down in a storm in 2011, and the other one, they just took a bunch of branches off it, like they're doing everywhere out throughout the state, uh, just a few weeks ago. So there's not as much shade there as there used to be. And then a lot of people like to watch it at the termination point. That's Memorial Park, where there's also, it's on the north side, looking into the stump, but there's also lots of trees and shade there. So that's what I would say are the uh, the best ways to do it.
0: And obviously, no traffic can get through the area if people are trying to get through and not be part of the parade. You have to find another way around, right?
1: That's a great point. They usually close Main Street off around 10 o'clock or so in the morning uh, to access the formation area at Jolson Square. People take the next road to the north that parallels Main Street. It's called Valley Street to enter the formation area. Uh, You can't just park to be a spectator for the parade. At Chilson Square. That's all for parade participants as well. But, no, you can't go on Main Street. And now the Riverside Drive is the other side. It's on the south side of Main Street, and they're doing construction work on the old Willamette Trust building there, and they've closed that off. That's a permanent closure now, so you cannot go from Bridge Street, Willamette eastbound all the way up to Main Street beyond the formation area. That's a change as well. So Riverside Drive is sort of off limits to access it as well. It'll be a little more problematic this year, but you know what? i say get there a little early and, you know, bring along a cup of coffee and get ready for a fun, a fun time. It's, it's unlike any parade you've ever seen. You know it.
0: Wayne, I hate to ask you, oh. but I know that this has come up in the past. I mean, you've been part of WILI since 1970. Do you ever think about retirement or are you going to keep doing this?
1: No, everybody asked the question, but you know what? Um, I'll, I like what I'm doing. Um, you know, until somebody shows me the door, I don't plan on going through the door.
0: So there are many more Boombox parades to come, huh?
1: Yeah, it, well, hopefully there's a lot. You know, I have no idea what the future is going to hold, but right now I don't, I don't plan on stepping down. I think it's a, it's a great event. It's a fun event, and it's a unique event in the sense one thing that really surprises me, Morgan, this thing works. It's very popular. I'm surprised other towns haven't copied the concept. Now, there is a town in Bullhead City, Arizona that does it. Not on the 4th of July. That'll be a bad idea at 120 degrees out there. They do it at Christmas time and they coordinate with three different radio stations. They have a boombox parade and people bring boomboxes. I don't know who started first. Don't ask me that question. But they play Christmas songs and people are doing their parade thing while they got jingle bells on their boomboxes. So, there, there is one other place that does it, but it's not for the 4th of July. But, you know, I don't think it would work for like a, a New York or a Philadelphia or a Boston. But I think for a media market station, I don't know why more towns haven't done it. There's been one or two towns that have done it. Lubbock, Texas is one. And uh, uh, Madison, Wisconsin did it. But they don't last. This is our 38th year. Obviously, we're doing something right. Spotlight Connecticut with Morgan Cunningham. Embracing what's fun with Connecticut
0: on WTIC News Talk 1080.